welcome to the Pharmacotherapy Podcast. My name is Tom Ladis. I'm a professor at the Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. I also serve as one of the scientific editors for Pharmacotherapy. Today we are talking with Dr. Luigi Bernetti about a paper his team wrote entitled Vancomycin Area Under the Curve versus Trough-Only Guided Dosing and the Risk of Acute Kidney Injury. This systematic review and meta-analysis was published in the September 2022 issue of Pharmacotherapy. Dr. Benetti is an associate professor at Rutgers Ernest Marino School of Pharmacy. Dr. Benetti, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you, Dr. Ladis, for having me discuss this important topic, as well as summarize some of the evidence that we've added with our systematic review and meta-analysis. Uh, Dr. Benetti, I know this is a, a major uh, research area for you, but uh, what was your motivation for completing this systematic review and meta-analysis? You know, I, I think it was multifactorial. There were a number of motivating factors. Uh, perhaps the most important was that our institution recently switched from a trough-based uh, management program to an AUC-based program. And we essentially wanted to see if we were, in fact, doing better for our patients uh, just based on the available literature. Uh, Moreover, the updated uh, vancomycin consensus guidelines uh, in 2020, um, as you know, I believe you were one of the authors of those consensus guidelines, switched from trough-based dosing to AUC-based dosing. And presumably it was uh, due to the fact that AUC-based dosing would be safer for our patients. And we just wanted to put all of the evidence together and just see how much uh, improvement or how much reduction in the incidence of acute kidney injury uh, has been observed in the available literature to date. All right. Well, we all appreciate you doing this. I mean, we all have the opportunity to read each individual paper, but I I do think these data lend themselves to a systematic literature review and meta-analysis. So thank you for that. So um, based on your review, um, you know, how many studies did you include? And I guess the one question always comes up for me is among studies that have compared AUC guided dosing versus trough-only monitoring, how many of those institutions uh, did Bayesian dosing versus using the yeah, first-order equation uh, method approach for estimating the AUC? Yeah, I think those are excellent questions, Dr. Ladis. I mean, one of the challenges as we set out to perform this systematic review and meta-analysis was the wide variation um, in the studies, uh, the populations that were investigated, as as well as the mode of AUC calculation. So we included uh, 10 studies. There were over 4,000 patients total in all of the studies, uh, 4,231 altogether. And of those 10 studies, only three of them used Bayesian dosing as the AUC calculation method. Uh, Further, if you look at those three studies that use Bayesian dosing, uh, one of the studies was rather small. It it only had a sample size of 74, which really limited the uh, subgroup analyses that we could run. Uh, That was something of interest to us as, as investigators, and I'm sure to the entire clinical community. Not only is AUC better than trough-based dosing, but a step further is Bayesian-derived AUC better than uh, first-order equation-derived AUC. And unfortunately, because of the small number of Bayesian studies that included Bayesian AUC calculation, we weren't able to delve into that much further. 
Well, what did you find overall? I mean, I know you did a number of analyses as part of the paper um, and overall findings, sensitivity analysis, and any subgroups analyses of interest that you'd like to convey to the audience. Yeah, sure. I mean, being the overall finding, of course, was that AUC guided dosing was associated with a reduced incidence of vancomycin induced AKI. Uh, so this largely supports the 2020 vancomycin consensus guidelines. Uh, and in fact, if we look at you know just what the effect size was, the odds ratio was 0.625. So that's a 40% reduced association with acute kidney injury with AUC guided dosing uh, versus trough guided strategies. So a pretty big difference. Now, one of the things that we also did whenever you run these meta-analyses you often work with the raw numbers. Now, when you work with those raw numbers, you don't necessarily have data that have been controlled for confounding. So one of the subgroups we did was pull out all of the studies that looked specifically at AUC-based dosing versus trough-based dosing, but also performed some sort of regression analysis to control for confounding. And even looking at only those studies, Uh, the results were similar. In fact, it was more pronounced. The odds ratio uh, became 0.475, so nearly a 50% reduction when we looked at these studies that had adjusted odds ratios. Uh, I believe it was only three of the studies, though, that reported adjusted odds ratios, meaning the other seven, it was just raw numbers. So there could have been confounding in those studies uh, that was not accounted for. In addition to those main findings, One of the findings that I think is maybe even more important than the main finding, just my opinion, is looking at the different definitions of acute kidney injury that were used among studies. Some of the studies had one definition. Some of the studies had a multitude of definition, whether it was using the rifle criteria, whether it was using the vancomycin consensus guideline definition. There was really heterogeneity in how acute kidney injury was reported. And when we did this subgroup and we pulled out AKI as defined by different methods, only when AKI was defined using the vancomycin consensus definition was there a significant difference between AUC strategies versus trough-based strategies. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, if you look at that subgroup analysis, the number of studies that were included in each subgroup was relatively small. So it may just be related to the fact we just simply didn't have enough data. Now, all of the point estimates, they were on to the left of one. So in other words, they were all associated with benefit or reduced AKI with AUC. They just didn't reach statistical significance. So we think that that may be related to uh, just a power uh, issue, not having enough studies and subjects. Another thought that we had is, could this just be related to the fact that when you use more lenient definitions of AKI, you may not be capturing actual vancomycin-associated AKI, that it may be other causes for those blips in serum creatinine. So when you use the more stringent definition, the vancomycin consensus uh, definition, which is a bump in 0.5 in the serum creatinine, you may be more accurately or better depicting uh, acute kidney injury resulting from vancomycin. Yeah, we could probably debate whether or not even that definition is appropriate. And, and I know I've heard you speak on this as well. 
uh, Dr. Ladis, but serum creatinine is the best we have, and we know it's it's not very good. But based on it, it seems that you know there there is a reduction in AKI risk when you're looking at that vancomycin consensus guideline definition. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, when we, when you look at that zero point five or fifty percent reduction in in, in serum creatinine from baseline, uh, whichever is greater, you know, it has greater specificity. So, you know, if it bumps that high, you know that it's clinically real. And the other thing I always think about is, you know, I think why we tend to trivialize bumps in serum creatinine in, in our patients, in our practice, there has to be substantial damage to the nephrons um, in order to see that, that subsequent rise in serum creatinine of 0.5 or greater. So why I think it's a more conservative definition that I, I do think it's clinically meaningful. So, Dr. Benetti, I, I know you mentioned that, you know, you, you couldn't directly compare Bayesian, you know, versus first-order equation-based methods for estimating the AUC, but even when you looked at the absolute numbers, do you see a greater risk reduction either on the relative or absolute scales uh, among the Bayesian studies versus the first-order equation studies, or was it largely similar? So, I know you, you already mentioned that you couldn't, you know, do a, a direct analysis of that, but you know, did the data reveal anything to you to kind of help clinicians? Because many of us are deciding whether, you know, as, as we move towards AUC-guided dosing, should we adopt one of these Bayesian programs or, or just use the first-order equation-based approach? Yeah, no, that, that's an excellent question. And we, we did, in fact, perform. It's, it's not in the manuscript. We, we didn't include it in the publication just because it was just too small of a sample. And we just felt that it would I guess, make the waters murkier. But numerically, there was a reduction uh, with that Bayesian-derived AUC versus trough-derived AUC. Again, it didn't reach significance, and that's largely due to the small number of subjects amongst those three studies that used a Bayesian approach. You know, However, irrespective of what we found in the study, I can tell you from a clinical perspective, uh, when we jumped over at my institution, from trough-based to, to AUC-based, we, we asked this very question, you know, do we invest in Bayesian methods or do we use, you know, simple first-order equations? And initially, we just made our own homegrown Excel spreadsheet. We, we had all the calculations in the spreadsheet. You punched in the patient's information and poof, you know, you had an AUC and you used that to guide uh, your patient's dosing. However, you know, we found that using that method was from a workflow perspective, it was a little bit challenging, right? Because you have to get multiple drug concentrations. Uh, not only that, when you get those drug concentrations, you do need to enter them into the Excel spreadsheet. There's no way to accurately track uh, those patients when that data is entered in that spreadsheet. So we ended up switching to a Bayesian uh, approach. And one of the key drivers in switching to the Bayesian approach uh, was the fact that we could use any drug concentration uh, that was ordered on the patient, more or less, irrespective. I mean, I guess if you're too close to the peak, that's not a good thing. But any uh, drug concentration that was ordered, you can use to help you attain the adequate AUC exposure early. I know I'm kind of you know, veering away from the initial uh, question, but I, I hope that answers what you had asked. No, no it does. I mean, so I think Reading your article, the way I interpret it is, 
you know, whether you do Bayesian or first order equation based approach to estimating the AUC, both of those methods or approaches results in, in lower AKI or acute kidney injury relative to trough only monitoring. Is that a fair statement? That is 100% accurate and a fair statement. And I think the decision of to use, to use one or the other, I think that is going to be dependent on your institution. So Dr. Bonetti, you, you touched upon it a, a little bit, but for the listeners, you know, what are some of the pros and cons or key considerations, you know, with, with Bayesian? And I think you mentioned several uh, ones already, and I, I do think there's some, you know, expediting workflow uh, with that approach. And and what are some of the key considerations and, again, pros and cons with the first-order equation-based approach? The biggest advantage, I would say, Bayesian over first-order equations is the ability to use all drug concentrations that have been attained. Um, by far, and, you know, this is my opinion, but I, I think by far that is the greatest advantage of the Bayesian approach. And um, even if you do not have, you know, steady-state concentrations, uh, good to go. They still help you attain your target AUC range quickly. One of the things we did when we launched our program is to help workflow because this is, you know, it, it takes time, right? The staff pharmacists have to put this information in to whatever program, whatever method you're using, uh, and it takes time to evaluate each individual patient. So one of the things we did to facilitate blood draw times as well as knowing you know, when there would be adequate staff to address the drug concentrations that returned, is we started just using random vancomycin concentrations drawn in the morning. And by doing that, we alleviated a tremendous burden, not only on the lab, uh, but also on the pharmacy staff, because it's pretty standard when we get our drug concentrations back. Now, don't get me wrong, we still do order trough concentrations. I think it's important in, in some patients to do that. Uh, but we definitely take advantage of being able to order drug concentrations at any, any point in time. I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm averse to the uh, first order equation method or using other methods besides Bayesian because, listen, they're readily available. Uh, Bayesian methods require that you have software. Some of it is free, some you have to pay for. But many of these first order equations, I mean, you can simply create Excel based calculators to do this, and there's some free ones available uh, on the web. But, you know, they, they are associated with limitations, and the requirement of multiple drug concentrations, I think, is the biggest limitation. No, I agree. You know, I, I think Bayesian is very attractive from a, a workflow perspective, less chance of, of human error in entering data. Clearly, there's some cost considerations and, and also integrating it with your electronic medical record. Um, you know, first order equations, like you said, like most of the programs are free. I have, you know, familiarized myself with, with many of them. They, they all arrive at a, a similar AUC estimation. Um, but as you mentioned, the biggest considerations with them is all the rules we apply with trough only monitoring. Patients have to be stabilized on a regimen. They, you have to get concentrations at or near steady state. There has to be consistent timing of dosing. Now, it is possible to estimate an AUC after the first dose um, with the first order equations. It's, it's a little less reliable, but that is a, a somewhat of a workaround in, in someone who's getting, you know, just starting out on vancomycin where they're getting um, fluctuating doses. But, you know, I, I am partial to Bayesian, cognizant of, of all the considerations and the integration 
um, that is required. But I, I think that the biggest finding from your study, you know, in reading it is, you know, what other, whatever method you choose to estimate AUC and, and use that to guide dosing, um, you see far less acute kidney injury relative to trophy monitoring. So I think that's reassuring for me and I anticipate for readership that whatever you decide, it's better than just doing uh, trophy monitoring. Um, so if we could just kind of take a step back a little bit, and you know, the one thing that comes up, and I get this question a lot is, well, where do I start? So if you could describe a little bit of just the implementation process. I mean, I imagine it was a lot of education. I'm, I'm sure when you move towards Bayesian um, dosing, you know, this is probably, you know, foreign to, you know, a lot of pharmacists and other clinicians. If you had three three or four key things you, you want to tell the, the listeners in, in terms of what they should do if they're about to embark on implementing AUC-guided dosing in, at their institution, what would that be? I mean, number one would be involve everyone. Uh, and what I mean by that is involve your prescribers, involve the pharmacy staff, involve individuals in the laboratory, involve nursing. I really think you need an interdisciplinary approach to be successful. Everyone is used to trough-based dosing. Uh, so if all of a sudden you're telling people to ignore that trough concentration that is reported in the patient's record or in the chart, uh, you have some explaining to do. So I think having everyone on the same page is immensely important. And that was the first step that we did is we included everyone on the decisions, everyone on the educations, not just the pharmacy department. So that's immensely important. I would also say you want to gather your baseline data. You know, I'm, I'm a data-driven guy, and most of the individuals at my institution know that. Uh, so before we embarked on switching from trough-based to AUC-based, I collected data. How were we doing with trough? How much AKI did we have with trough-based dosing? And then I used that as our benchmark, saying, okay, this is where we were. Now we're using AUC. Where are we now with our AUC-based dosing? And I report that information out to our antimicrobial stewardship, com stewardship committee, up to the pharmacy and therapeutics committee, and then the medical executive committee. And I think collecting your metrics, again, is so important. And it really shows the value and the contribution the pharmacy makes to the healthcare team. There's two reasons that you need to do that. One, to show the staff who's investing time in monitoring these patients that their work is not for nothing, right? Their work truly has an impact on the care of patients. And then also showing the prescribers that, hey, check it out. This service that we're providing you is making an impact on your patients. So to me, those, those two are important. And then finally, I would say when data are reported in the chart, I do think you need to write, have a note in the chart. So for, for us, as an example, every time we make an adjustment, we put a progress note in the patient's chart that's visible to all clinicians. Uh, this way, everyone knows that we're providing this consult service and you know, we're being transparent with how we're helping to manage the patient. So those are the three, three key things that I think are essential to be successful. No, excellent points. And, uh, and I think one of the things that we encountered was uh, it's okay to have a trough less than 15, right? Yeah, I, I think yeah. everybody has viewed this 15 to 20 range as this, you know, a, a magical range, almost similar to an INR of two to three. 
But the reality is, you know, there was never a lot of evidence to support it. It was always supposed to be a surrogate of an AUC. And, and you know, we have since found that that's clearly not the case. I mean, your AUC can be anywhere. Between, it's always going to be above 400 if you back extrapolate the AUC from the trough. But you could have an AUC as high as 1,200 or even higher. And, and you know, I think the literature is quite clear is when you have daily AUCs above six or 700, you do see higher rates of acute kidney injury. Yeah, I think you hit a, a really key point there, if, if I could just interject, because when we first launched, we did get many of those phone calls. Like, hey, this person's trough is 11. Is that enough? And I think that's a, that's a key education point, as you mentioned, when you, when you launch this. Well, Dr. Bernetti, as you know, I could sit and talk about vancomycin, Bayesian dosing, and calculating an AUC and all the critical considerations all day. But you know, at this point, uh, I'm going to end the podcast. I, I'd like to thank everybody for listening in today. Thank you again for your excellent paper, well-designed and written. Um, it was a pleasure to read. You know, keep up the good work. And, you know, we look forward to some of your uh, additional data coming out from your real-time uh, AUC dosing program at your hospital. Thanks for having me.